0: Okay, go.
1: And hello everybody, we are having some issues with uh, me taking over the station, so sorry for the delay, we'll get this figured out. It is 7.35 here on the West Coast, Saturday night, May 16th, 2000. And the team. Patricia and I will be with you in a little while. We got, I want to run some February Miggy and Maui show. And I got to take care of a couple of business deals here. So we'll do that first. And we'll be with you in a little bit. Let's say up here. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. but the station, Bless the country. We are this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright, everybody. Let's go with February Miggy and Maui. From... October 11th, 1949, here in on Yesterday, USA. The Johnson's
2: Wax program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Blow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, Dick Legrand, Bud Steffen, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Ladies, do you realize that all the beauty of printed linoleum is on the surface? That means that all the brightness and gaiety is first to go when printed linoleum wears. Too bad when it happens, but it doesn't have to happen for years. For you can reduce wear on all kinds of linoleum almost to the vanishing point if you cover it regularly with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. That's a strong statement, but true. For this wonderful floor wax not only keeps linoleum shining like sunlight, it also forms a hard protective coating. That, regularly applied, makes linoleum wear six to ten times longer. I'll say that again. Glow coat regularly applied makes linoleum last six to ten times longer. For when glow coat's on the floor, wax takes the wear. Patterns and colors keep on smiling through that wear resistant glow coat luster. So save your linoleum. Don't let its beauty and attractiveness wear away another day under grinding feet. Get a can of Johnson's self polishing glow coat tomorrow at your dealers. Maybe Mr. McGee is just not a ladies' man. But it's a fact that up till now, neither Dame Fortune nor Lady Luck have ever flirtatiously dropped their scented handkerchiefs as they passed him. Oh, sure. We we say up till now because he's just come up with a get-rich idea that has distinct possibilities. Possibilities for what? We don't know. So let's listen to Fiver McGee and Molly. And I'll freely
3: admit, kiddo, that in the past I've had a lot of ideas that didn't pan out, but this one is really a pip. You
4: promise to keep it confidential? Certainly, dearie. Compared to me, a clam is a master of ceremonies. <laughs> you know what my mother always used to say? What? She used to say, nobody ever got caught in a shut trap. <laughs>
3: Well, you just bear that in mind, Tootsie. So when people come up to the window, your purple chauffeur-driven limousine with the leopard upholstery, and ask you how I made all my dough, you just play coy. Pretend you don't know.
4: Pretend, he says.
3: Boy, oh boy, I got a project here that'll have Snarl and Ed McDonald at the Third National Bank gnashing his teeth. Why, we'll be so rich. Look, kiddo, do you know how fine paper is made?
4: Yes, out of cloth.
3: Right. But did anybody ever think of reversing the process and making fine cloth out of paper?
4: (laughs) Cloth out of paper, heavenly days, how on uh, earth...
3: <laughs> you see, Snooky, nobody's ever done it simply because nobody ever thought of it before.
4: But how do you know it can be done?
3: My gosh, nobody knows whether anything can be done before they try it. What if Wilbur and Orville Wright had just sat down and said, what do we know about electricity? <laughs> Let somebody else invent the telegraph.
4: I <laughs> guess that uh, would have been the first case on record where two rights made a wrong. <laughs>
3: Now, here's what I'm going to do. I got a pile of papers and magazines on the back porch, you see. I'm going to pulp them up, mix them with the right chemicals, and make cloth. What kind of cloth? Oh, it depends on the kind of paper I use for the mixture, it? T- t- <laughs> well, ain't that obvious. For night shirts, I'll use evening papers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for
3: horse blankets, I'll use old racing forms. <laughs> for prison uniforms, I'll use time and life. My guys. my gosh. <laughs> Any number of different... Uh-uh, no. remember, not a word of this to anybody.
4: I'm trying not to even think of it myself. Come in. Oh, it's Dr. Gamble, McGee. Come in, doctor.
3: Thank you, my dear. Hello, wind tunnel. <laughs> doctor, would you consider dropping your private practice and accepting a retainer of $50,000 a year and devoting your entire time to be an I and Molly's personal physician? Buster, somebody has been spiking your root beer. <laughs> Or else you're out of your head, and if you'll take my advice, you won't get back into it because it must be very lonesome in there.
4: No, he's serious, Doctor. He has an idea which he thinks might make us rich.
3: Again? And what is this idea that's going to make Fort Knox install extra burglar alarms?
4: Well, he's not telling anybody, Doctor.
3: Oh, well, I can tell Doc. All doctors have to take a hypocritical oath not to revulge what patients tell them. <laughs> that's Hippocratic, stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah, from the word hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. <laughs> Well, hippo,
0: here's the angle.
3: You know that fine paper is made out of cloth. I've heard rumors to that effect.
4: Well, himself is going to reverse the process, doctor. He's going to make fine cloth out of paper.
3: That reminds me, I have to rush back to the hospital. I have a delirious patient there, too. (laughs) Oh, so I'm a delirious, am I? Well, you see old Doc's face when he has to start treating me for being seasick on my private yacht. Oh, dear. Well, I'm going to work, you know. Can I use your big wash boiler?
4: Oh, pray do. Uh, may I ask what for? I'm
3: going to boil a batch of paper. The process calls for boiling and pulping the paper in a strong solution of sulfate to bust up the fibers, you see. So, hey, we got any sulfate?
4: I don't know. What is sulfate?
3: I don't know. Some kind of chemical. I'll have Kramer's Drugstore send some over. hundred pounds ought to be enough. <laughs> to start, or maybe a hundred gallons if it's a liquid. Maybe if I... That How can I get any work on my new idea if everybody keeps clanging at the door? Clang, clang, clang.
4: Well, I don't know, lover, <laughs> but the more interruptions there are before you start boiling unknown chemicals in my kitchen, the better I'll like yeah. it. <laughs> Come in. Clang, clang, clang.
5: Oh, it's Ollie, the janitor from the Oaks Club. Hi,
3: Oli.
4: Hello, Ollie.
5: Well, hello, missus. Hello, McGee. I used to come by to tell you. You've you been appointed to chairman of Halloween Party Committee. Ah. Oh. I was? You hear that, Molly? Yes. I'm appointed to the Elks Club Halloween Party Committee. Chairman, too, huh? I guess they know how much time you spend sitting down, McGee. <laughs>
4: that ought to be fun, McGee.
5: Yeah, but uh, I ain't going to have time to work on the committee. I'm going to be
3: busy making cloth. Busy doing what?
4: It's a secret, Ollie.
3: Oh,
5: not from Ollie. <laughs> Ollie's very discreet. Hey, Ollie? Well, that's janitor of the Elks Club. I got to learn to keep secrets. Now, maybe some members don't want his wife to know that he lost $3.50 last Thursday night playing cribbage with Doc Gamble. <laughs> hey, McGee.
4: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not the talky kind, Oli. Thanks, Mrs. It's
5: a good thing I don't, gossip. Last week, I was investigated by FBM. My God. You mean the FBI? No, FBM. Fuller Brochman. <laughs> He wants to know why my missus accepts so many free samples and don't buy no brochures. <laughs> but my wife, she don't gossip either, so he was just donating his time.
2: <laughs> Billy Mills from the orchestra and Laura Bell Lee.
3: is it, kiddo. I got enough papers here to start with, I guess. The sulfate is all mixed and on the kitchen stove, and we're off on the road to fame and fortune.
4: Well, drive slowly this time. That first turn is a dilly. (laughs)
3: I've been waiting all my life for an idea like this one. Why, it's so big, it (laughs) makes me feel sort of reverent. makes me want to sort of bow my head a minute.
4: I feel like ducking mine, too. (laughs) I've been hit by so many million dollar ideas of yours That I'm getting skittish When I think what you always do to my kitchen wife like, Company, dairy, probably just a yacht salesman oh,
3: oh, now watch it, kiddo Now play it cagey If them textile makers have got word of this already No telling what they're liable to do. No,
4: find. it's just Milton
3: from Kramer's Drugstore, McGee Come in Oh, Milt Spilk Well, come in, Milt Can you keep a secret, boy?
6: Oh, sure, Mr. McGee In the drugstore business, you've got to keep secrets I don't talk
0: <laughs>
6: Good boy for instance, I've never told anybody that mister McDonald at the bank wears a girdle. I don't talk. Old McDonald? No kidding. Reason I know. He yeah. come in the drugstore the time the zipper stuck, and me and Uncle Ed had to butter him to get him out of it. <laughs> we only charged him for the butter, of course. <laughs> I see.
3: That's kind of gilding the lily, a guy as tight as he is wearing a girdle. <laughs> But anyhow, Milt, here's the secret. Now, for years now, they've been making paper out of old rags, you see. They
6: have? Yeah. Gosh, I won't tell a soul, Mr. McGee. If people ever found
4: out. No, that... no, no, Milton. People already know that. That's not it.
3: No, the point is, nobody's ever thought of doing it backwards and making
6: cloth out of old paper. Until now. Gee, money. Yeah. Cloth out of old paper. Yep. That's a sensational idea, Mr. McGee. Boy, you sure think I'm up. Yep. He sure is a brain, Mrs. McGee. I wish I could think him up like him. I
4: wish you could think them up instead of him.
6: (laughs) Well, if I can help you with this new idea, Mr. McGee, you just call on me. My chemistry teacher says I'm getting to be just like you, Mr. McGee. Uh,
4: (laughs) Really? Well, now, you could do worse, Milton. That's what I keep
6: telling him. But he just scowls and shakes his head. (laughs) See, he wrote Uncle Ed a note today, something about me not standing up straight enough.
3: Oh, your
6: posture's pretty good, Milt, for your shape I got the note here, it says, uh, Mr. Kramer, if Milton doesn't watch himself, he'll grow up to be as stooped as Mr. McGee Stooped? Yeah, it says right here, S-T-U-P-I-D, oh I better go, goodbye now
0: Mind me
3: to have our school system investigated, Molly if that's the kind of stuff they teach our youngsters. Hey, let me, uh, help me carry these papers out to the kitchen, will you? Come on.
4: Yes, Master. I hope you don't ruin my wash boiler because... What in the world is in it?
3: That's the solution I'm going to cook the papers in. Sulfate. Dump them into it, kiddo. Sulfate? Yep. Lucky I had plenty of sulfur left over from that idea I had for making matches that time. That idea that would have revolutionized the match business only for two things.
4: What Two things.
3: Well, one, the matches I turned out cost me a buck and a half a piece to make. and (laughs) Two, they wouldn't light. (laughs) Let me stir the papers in good. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, what an idea this is. Edison, Ford, and McGee, the three greatest... Hiya, Wally. Hiya, pal. Hello,
4: Mr. Wilcox.
3: Hiya, Junior. Excuse me if I seem busy. I am. What's cooking, pal? I'm boiling a batch of newspapers, Junior.
2: What did he say, Molly?
4: Said he's boiling last week's papers, Mr.
1: Wilcox. Oh. Well, what's new with you, Molly?
4: Not a thing, Mr. Wilcox. Just routine as usual. How about you?
1: Okay, we're going to play another firm game, Molly, everybody, from October 18th, 1949. Here on yesterday, you right, said.
2: Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's self polishing blow present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, Bud Steffen, Dick LeGrand, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's and Billy Mills Orchestra. Fall is the time of year when homemakers grow gray. One day it rains, next day strong winds blow grit and dust. The whole house is a problem, but the kitchen, worst of all. Seems like you just can't keep people from tracking dirt into your kitchen. And you can't keep people's feet, especially the little people's, from grinding dirt into kitchen linoleum. That's why it's crucially important right now to protect your linoleum with Johnson's glowcoat. For when this wonderful self polishing floor wax covers your floor, you have less to do and less to worry about in any weather. Its tough protective surface shields linoleum from wear, makes it far easier to clean. And Glowcoat produces its own shine. You do no polishing to get a luster so bright that it brings new life into the whole kitchen. Yes, you'll save work, save linoleum, and have the brightest kitchen floor in the neighborhood if you cover it tomorrow with Johnson's Glowcoat. When you're shopping tomorrow, be sure to pick up a can of this work-saving, self-polishing floor wax, Johnson's Glow Coat. The city of Wistful Vista starts its community chest drive tonight with a big charity bazaar. And one of the town's better-known civic leaders is helping with the arrangements. Here at number 79, discussing the affair with their family doctor, we find the civic leader herself. And her husband,
4: Molly McGee and Fibber. And, of course, the ladies' club can't handle the whole thing alone tonight, Doctor, so we think it's wonderful the way you men have pitched in.
3: Well, I'm happy to have been able to... Ah, patah. What's he done that I couldn't have? Better. The only reason Doc got into this was because he thought the community chest was something he could put a stethoscope on and get a pee out of
4: it. McGee,
3: now don't start. Well, he'd better not. Both of you. He makes me tired. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we do appreciate your offer, sweetheart, but the ladies' club has everything arranged. Dr. Gamble had the booths built, and Mrs. Breen is rattling off the television set. How
3: about refreshments? I could tell the All the
4: booths are taken care of.
3: Mm.
4: We even thought it would be a cute idea to raise money if we had one booth full of pretty girls, Doctor.
3: Pretty girls?
4: Yes. You ever going to put up signs and everyone who donates $10 to the community chest gets to kiss a pretty girl? Isn't that a fine idea?
3: Well, there's only one thing wrong with it, kiddo. That's strictly for men. You housewives ought to think of the housewives on a deal like this, Molly. How about giving them a chance?
4: You don't mean...
3: Well, certainly. Set up a booth with some handsome, distinguished sort of middle-aged man in it and...
0: Appeal
3: <laughs> to the women to donate. For ten bucks they could kiss me. Or him.
0: <laughs> what
3: a nauseating idea.
4: Heavenly days, I well, that is a my goodness, dearie, I wouldn't want a strange bunch of women kissing my husband.
7: They'd have to be a strange bunch, of
3: me. <laughs> ten dollars to kiss you, blubberhead? Ha!
4: Now just a minute, Doctor. I think he's pretty cute myself. I'll bet plenty of women would like to kiss him. They would? Well,
3: not that it'd be any fun for me, you understand. Just a, just a patriotic duty. But for charity's sake, I wouldn't mind making the sacrifice. I'd be a martyr. Hey, wait a minute. You know, the more I think of it, the more I think it's a great idea. It's wonderful. It is? My gosh, you hear that, Molly? Even docket it. Yes,
4: but I don't want you, McGee. Oh, I mean... remember,
5: Molly, it's for charity's sake. Let him make the sacrifice. Sure. I'll handle the details. I'll have a booth built. I'll have signs printed. I'll answer the phone.
3: McGee's residence, Dr. Gamble. Who? Oh, yes, Mrs. Clatterhat. Why, at ten bucks a kiss, we ought to make me... How's that? Your nerves, Mrs. K? Oh, your old twitch has come back again. (laughs) Well, give him an aspirin and put him to bed. I'll see him later. (laughs) Bye. Great idea of yours, McGee. I'll get everything ready. I'll
4: see you at the bazaar. But, doctor... Look now, dearie, I think it's sweet of you to raise money for the chest, but... McGee?
3: Huh? Oh, oh, excuse me, kiddo. I, I was just looking in the mirror here. I, trying to get my best angle.
4: Personally, I think your best angle is to leave town.
3: <laughs> no, sir, I'll taste the music. I'll make the sacrifice.
4: My hero. My lipstick-smeared <laughs> hero. My lipstick... Come me.
3: Hey, it's Milt Spilt from Kramer's Drugstore. Molly, hi, Milton.
6: Hello, Milton. Hi, are you two going to the bazaar tonight at the Elks?
3: Yep. Mrs. McGee is on the committee, Milton, and I'm going to run one of the booths. You are, Mr. McGee?
6: Yeah.
4: Yes, Mr. McGee is after the housewife's money tonight, Milton. Yeah. Everyone who donates ten dollars to the community chest gets to kiss him.
3: Yeah. Take a look at my profile, Milton. Do I remind you more of Cary Grant or John Wayne? Or Gary Cooper? Or maybe Dan Daly?
6: Who else have you got in mind? <laughs> Gosh, I'd sure like to look like you, Mr. McGee, when I get that old. You're a definite type, you know that? You're the type women like. Some women.
4: One woman, anyhow.
6: I think it's that touch of gray hair at the temples. You like that? I'll say. It, well, it sort of matches the gray hair on the rest of your head. (laughs) Don't it, Mrs. McGee?
4: Yes, you must drop around tonight and see how he's doing, Milton.
6: Boy, I'll say. Maybe I can pick up some pointers. Gosh, I remember how surprised my girl Daphne was when they asked her to sell kisses at the high school rally. A dollar apiece, they told her.
3: Yeah? Did she do it?
6: No. Huh? When Daph realized how rich she could have been if she'd only known sooner, she sat down and cried like a baby.
0: <laughs>
6: well, I don't know why it is, Milk. but I
3: always have had a sort of fascination for women. I mind when I was just a kid in college, I had a job at the laundry after school. Yeah? Yeah. My job was counting the collars that came in, see? Used to count all the collars and add them up. Colorado McGee I was no dad Ah, dear Colorado McGee The city college cut up And the cutest kid A cutie ever chased Across the campus Coily cut and capers That completely captivated The confused co-eds Considered the cheek-to-cheek Champ of the campus charmers Till I cut a corner In my car Clipped the cop crossways Climbed a coast-to-coast caboose And came cross-country In a terrible fright But I gotta save my breath I got work to do tonight
0: (laughs)
2: To the orchestra, and it's a great feeling. <laughs>
4: have to do so much crimping. Mm, no Running good. the $10 a kiss booth at the Community Chess Bazaar doesn't automatically make you a glamour boy, you know. Oh,
3: my gosh, kiddo, I know I'm no Ronald Coleman, but on the other hand, I ain't no Humphrey Bogart either.
4: You know, dearie, I think I'm being pretty tolerant about this kissing idea of yours. Jealous, kiddo? Who, me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I should say not. However, I'll be watching your customers, dearie, and if any of those lovelorn ladies with more dollars than cents Gets in line more than once, I'll have her lipstick all over the back of me hand (laughs) And I don't mind admitting that Ah,
0: now
3: that may be Doc Gamble with the sign he's having painted for over the booth You know, give ten dollars and kiss McGee
5: Come in
4: No, dearie, it's the janitor from the Ux Club Come in, Ole.
5: Oh, hi, Oli Hello, McGee Hello, missus I can't stay but use the minute, McGee. I used to come from Elf Club, and Doc Gamble was there measuring for Big Sign.
4: That's right, Ole.
5: He has my personal approval, Ole. Then, personally, McGee, and understand, I never try to come between man and wife, even my own. But aren't you a little ashamed having your missus selling kisses for $10? Don't you get
4: jealous? Oh, yeah, but Ole, I'm not going to be in the booth. McGee is. He's selling the kisses yeah. for the community chess drive.
5: Even a Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Now I know how they call it a drive.
0: <laughs>
5: getting somebody to kiss McGee, you gotta use a whip.
4: <laughs> oh, I
3: don't know about that. I ain't so repulsive. Head.
4: Of course not. Personally, dearie, when you get fixed up, you can be quite attractive. You betcha. Or could it be that I'm just getting used to you? <laughs>
5: Well, I gotta get back to Elf's Club, McGee. Gotta help fix up the bazaar. My missus, you know, she's helping, too. What's she doing, Ollie? Oh, she signed up as a worker for Community Shas. Yeah? Yanitors for Elf's Clubs don't make high wages, so we can't donate much except time. <laughs> so the missus, she say we give what we can, and I help collect, because I hear they need workers.
4: They certainly do, Ollie.
5: My missus, she's a good worker, missus. All her life, she worked hard. Or, idea of way is if flat iron gets cold and dishpan gets dry. <laughs> That's you at the club, McGee. But I don't buy no kisses. <laughs> no kisses.
3: Who asked him to,
4: right? You know, McGee, I'm a little puzzled about something. About what, Snooky? Dr. Gamble's attitude. Yeah? He's the last person in the world I'd have expected to endorse this kissing booth idea of yours.
3: Oh, you just don't understand the old torso tinker, Molly. He's pretty civic-minded down underneath them layers of lard
4: <laughs> And he
3: always comes up with an idea Hi, Molly, Hi, pal Hello,
4: Mr. Wilcox Hi,
3: Junior, you coming to the Community Chest Bazaar at the Elks
4: tonight?
2: Well, Natch
4: Fine, Mr. Wilcox Give your wife $10 and bring her along, too McGee is selling kisses
2: Well, oh, $10 worth of kisses is a lot of candy, Molly
3: I don't really think we'd be Hey, interested. wait a minute, wait a minute, Junior I got news for you I ain't selling candy I'm selling real kisses Pucker up, smack, smack, 20 bucks, next
4: customer.
2: <laughs> oh, brother, are you kidding?
4: No, he isn't kidding, Miss Wilcox. you got to
2: consider the psychology of this, Junior. Now, you take the average housewife... Look, 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 pal. Don't you tell me about the average housewife. <laughs> I've made a lifelong study of that fascinating subject. My
4: goodness, McGee, of course he has, because... Believe
2: he... me, pal, they'd much rather kiss me than you. Because why? What? Because I represent the company and the product that have lightened their household burdens, given them extra hours of time and leisure... You know what I mean, with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Yeah, I know, but when you consider... What have you done for the housewife? <laughs> have you shown her how to bring new life and beauty back to her faded and worn linoleum with the new Johnson's glow coat, with the new glow? Yeah, but what Have t- you t- shown her... How she can simply pour out a little glow coat, spread it around, let it dry to a protective wax finish that guards against scuffs and footprints and makes spill things so easy to wipe up? Yeah, but no, but my guy... Have right. you done anything whatsoever to eliminate rubbing and buffing and old-fashioned floor mopping? Yes. Yeah, Why, with Johnson self-polishing glow coat, you don't hey, have to do hey, any of hey. that stuff. Hey. You don't. Look.
3: Now, look, Waxy.
2: Yes, pal.
3: This ain't a sales campaign, Junior. This is for the community chest. The Red Feather Services, all
4: over the United States and Canada. Okay,
2: okay, okay. But here's something you can do for me, pal. Give them this slogan I just worked out.
4: Oh, what is it, Mr. Wilcox?
2: Tickle your conscience with a red feather and give. Oh. And good luck with the smooching, pal.
4: Hey, you know,
3: that ain't bad at all. Tickle your conscience with a red feather and give.
4: Not bad at all, dearie. Ah. Say, maybe Dr. Gamble can paint a sign with that on it, too, sir.
3: Somebody at the door, Molly. Maybe some woman wants to get ahead of the crowd and buy a kiss, huh?
4: (laughs) In that case, lover, if I were you, I'd run up and shave. What do you mean? You look like an uprooted
8: cactus.
4: (laughs) Come in. Well, heavenly day...
8: Ladies, when you want your home to look its best, don't forget the furniture. Is yours smudge-free and gleaming bright? Or could it use a little touching up with Johnson's Cream Furniture Wax, the fastest wax polish money can buy? Johnson's Cream Wax cleans so quickly, dries so quickly, polishes so quickly, that using it is almost as easy as dusting. Cleans thoroughly, polishes brightly in one application. Contains no sticky oils to catch dust. Tomorrow, start using Johnson's Cream Furniture Wax. It's the fastest wax furniture polish money can buy. Listen now to Big Town on NBC.
1: Okay, that was Firm Game Molly from October 18, 1949. We're going to let Patricia have the night off. We've been working on some stuff. So here is a Ray Breen interview. Here we go. Your conversation station for Southern California,
8: the home of talk radio, AM 790, KABC.
7: And good morning, everyone. Ray Bream with you until 5 o'clock here this morning. And this morning, we're in for a real treat, because with us is Leon Schwab. You remember Schwab's Drugstore, which originally was known as Schwab's Pharmacy. Well, Leon is with us. Uh, The the legendary Leon Schwab of Schwab's Drugstore. Uh, I like this quote. The fountain originally had 13 stools, and you could come in at any hour and find Charlie Chaplin, the Marx Brothers, the Ritz Brothers, all making their own ice cream sodas. (laughs) Not bad, not bad. And uh, a quote from President Ronald Reagan former President Reagan, he said, if you wanted good company, a snack, and a friendly ear, you went to Schwab's. The clientele ranged from hopeful unknowns to the who's who of the film industry. But the real star was Leon, the gracious proprietor who had time for everybody. And he's here with us tonight. Leon, glad to have you with us.
9: Thank you, very much.
7: So, Leon, uh, tell us what happened to your drugstore.
9: Well, they told us that they were going to rebuild the entire center if we would get out and give them back the, the building. Mm-hmm. And they told us not to order any merchandise or anything because they wanted to do it right away. And we got out over six years ago and they still haven't done a thing with the place yet.
7: So it looks like uh, no more Schwabs then, huh?
9: Well, they think so. They, th- they want me back in there, but I don't know when they're gonna build. Why did they do this to you and to us? Well, they, they sold it to two people from New York. And these two fellas, I guess they just, it was a promotion for them. And they had a hard time getting the money for it. And they still, I don't think they have the money to build. They've got the plans. They've got a $40 million plan. And they, they tore the buildings down. They had us there for the tearing down of all the buildings and movie stars and everybody were there, but they haven't done a thing since then. It's just a plain vacant lot now.
7: All right. Let me ask you this, uh, Leon. Uh, why was your, your drugstore so famous?
9: That's a t- tough thing to think about, but I think it was because we took care of the poor actor and actress. That they had a they had a uh, laboratory right in the back of the store, on the same lot that they they'd come Actors' Lab, mm-hmm. and you had the Shelley Winters and you had a uh, Gene Kelly and all the movie stars would go come in there to uh, work out little small plays and things like that. And then they'd have all the agents and they'd have the producers and everybody come and see those. And that was the real start of the motion picture people in Hollywood. And we knew everybody there. There was none of this where a person worked one picture and then wasn't there anymore. They would work. To you, you know everybody. They worked two, three, four pictures in a row and you know them when they came in. They may not have had any money and they wanted to eat and we fed them. We even put in a telephone so they could get their messages there and we'd call them, we'd page them to the phone.
7: You're uh, you're a soft touch, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you extended credit to a lot of uh, deadbeats, I would think.
9: Yeah, that's true. But my mother who passed away, but she always said that if one person needs food and ten people ask you for it, you give it to all ten. And we always kept it that way. Did did most of the star-
7: stars who came in and they got credit and they were into you for, you know, quite a few bucks. Yes, they uh, were. Did, did they uh, always remember you? In other words, when they started making it, did they remember you?
9: Some of them did. And some of them didn't. Really? But uh, you got to think. The good ones with the bad ones. Sure. And uh, we would deliver. If a person wanted a two-cent stamp, we'd deliver it to them. Really? Yeah. I've gotten up dozens of times after 12 o'clock at night and gone down and filled a prescription for somebody that needed it right away. And I didn't have to do that, but we did that.
7: Well, it's uh, sad that, uh, very sad, that an institution, and that's what Schwab's drugstore has become.
9: Yeah.
7: Uh, it was an institution, had to uh, bite the dust. Have you thought of a different location or anything like that?
9: No, I don't want a, a different location.
7: Location is
9: everything. To me, that is Hollywood. Hollywood and, Boulevard's not Hollywood. No. Now, this was, be- was between
7: Crescent Heights and. Uh, and uh, let's see, uh, Laurel Canyon, Canyon on Sunset. On Sunset. And that was the the place uh, that was Schwab's, and uh, it will always remain the place that should be Schwab's.
9: Yeah, that's everybody says the same thing. So it must be right. We would, ne- you know that. You remember when we had all that trouble with the hippies and everything? Mm-hmm. Do you know that we never had one come in the store? Not one. We were never bothered by any hippie or anything. They they were told they could go across the street, but they couldn't come in the store. And we never had trouble with it. Now, there are a lot of
7: stories that we can get into, and uh, we'll do that when we come back. Uh, If you want to talk with Leon Schwab, let me give you the phone numbers. In Los Angeles, 520-TALK, T-A-L-K. In the San Fernando Valley, it's 990. Orange County, Riverside, 750. Pasadena, Burbank, Glendale, 244. In the San Gabriel Valley, 448. South Bay is 679. And in Long Beach, 639. West Side, Santa Monica, West Los Angeles, Pacific Palisades, Malibu, and Marina del Rey. That number is 301. And talk TALK. This is KABC Talk Radio, AM 790. And I'm Ray Brain.
8: The Raiders are on the move. Or are they? The real story with Superfan,
7: today at 4. And at 5.05 this morning, go to sleep. Go to sit and sleep. If you can't sleep or your back hurts, you need a new mattress. And sit and sleep guarantees to beat every department store's price or the mattress is free. Plus, Sit & Sleep carries one of the largest selections of brand names in California, including Simmons Beauty Rest and CD Posture Feeding. Buy it today and sleep on it tonight. Only Sit & Sleep offers their exclusive 30-night sleep trial and their 30-day price guarantee. So if you're waking up with a sore back or tossing and turning all night long... Do what I did. Head to Sit and Sleep and get yourself a new mattress. And sleep like a baby. Head to Sit and Sleep and you tell them Ray Brain sent you. Sit and Sleep in Culver City on Washington, one block west of Overland. Phone orders are accepted. Call 213-870-1374. 90-day credit is easy with your good credit. And yes, they do deliver. Before you buy a mattress, compare Sit and Sleep's unbeatable prices.
8: Sit and Sleep beats every department store price or the mattress is free. Here's great news for homeowners. As you know, home equity loans typically stop at 80% of property value. But listen to this. Qualified homeowners can borrow the full 100% of their equity at Homeowners Capital of California and 20% extra borrowing power can mean a lot more cash in your pocket. $20,000 more on a $100,000 house and on a $200,000 home up to $40,000 more cash. Why, it could be like getting your down payment back. You can do home improvements or pay off those high-interest bills and credit cards or use the cash for personal use. There are no time of ownership requirements, so even if you just refinanced or recently purchased, you may have borrowing power at Homeowners Capital. From the 714 area code, dial 953-5058. I'll repeat that. Call 953-5058 for Homeowners Capital, the 100% equity lender. Call up to 9 p.m., but call today. Eyeglasses
7: and contact lenses obsolete? For more than 13,000 patients of the Jensen Center for Refractive Surgery, the wearing of everyday eyewear is obsolete. Now on Thursday, October 5th at 6 p.m., you can learn all about the hexagonal and radial keratotomy procedures. The Jensen Center for Refractive Surgery will be sponsoring a free community health seminar. Now this seminar will include explanations of hexagonal and radial keratotomy, and will answer the most frequently asked questions concerning these procedures. There'll be a short slide presentation and discussions with patients who've had these procedures. You can learn the facts about refractive surgery for the correction of farsightedness, nearsightedness, and astigmatism on Thursday, October 5th at 6 p.m. at the Jensen Center, 3501 Jamboree in Newport Beach. Seating is limited, so please call for a reservation. That's 1-800-262-7677. That's 1-800-262-7677. The seminar is free, so call now and make your reservation today. All right, if you want to talk with Leon Schwab of Schwab's Drugstore fame, now is the time to call. 520-TALK-TALK. Back to uh, Leon Schwab. Leon, is it true... You sound like Jim Healy. Is it true... That, <laughs> That uh, Lana Turner was discovered in your drugstore. Lana Turner says no. I say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's uh, settle it. What happened?
9: Well, there was a gentleman by the name of Don Redberry who was Red Rider in pictures. And he brought her in one day. And he said, I'm taking her out to the studio, to MGM. And I'm going to take her in to Mervyn Leroy. And he did, and that's the way she was discovered. But he went steady with her, and he is the one that brought her into the star, and then she was discovered. All right. Now, uh, what was it about the,
7: well, as they say today, the ambiance? Um, ABC Talk Radio, AM 790, KABC Los Angeles. It is now 1 o'clock. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn.
2: They're heading for Prague, hoping that they will be able to catch a train for freedom, as did
4: almost 5,000 at the weekend. Sue Masterman, ABC News, Vienna.
8: I'll have more after this. People always said my kid
1: brother... And that was our number one, Ray Bream. Uh, With Leon Schwab of Schwab Drugstore, Patricia's working tonight, so just me, and hello, Chad, how are you doing?
10: I am hanging in there so far. (laughs) You're not, is that
1: a better word than saying I'm tired, I'm pooped, or whatever?
10: I am tired, but I'm hanging, well, I'm still sort of kind of on central time, Yeah. it's not quite as late as it seems here, but I am kind of tired. I bet. Mean, so
1: tell us about the day. You were busy today throughout everything, so give it the rundown.
10: The rundown? Yeah.
1: Uh, All the shows that you worked on, and, oh, and maybe the highlights of the different shows.
10: Well, there was a rehearsal for Suspense, um, rehearsal for Magnificent Montague, A rehearsal for the new Suspense. Uh, John Alzadek didn't make it, so he was going to originally direct it, I believe, but he didn't make it. And there was a rehearsal for The Fat Man, a, a lost episode. And then there was performance of Suspense, which I thought went pretty well. Um, the music was pretty neat, too. I, I mean, uh, not my playing, but um, the actual the way it was written was pretty neat. I kind of creepy uh, and suspenseful.
1: Are you talking about uh, Dead Onus?
10: Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's some pretty good music there. Um,
1: well, how did it work out? You you told us last night you were gonna you were gonna play three different instruments almost at the, oh, all at the same time.
10: Well, two keyboards and a pedal board. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah. For portions of it. Yeah. That it worked pretty well, fairly well. It passable, well, I guess.
1: It
6: passable.
10: It. I didn't get as much practice as I w- I wish I could have. Yeah. But it it went pretty well. So that that one was that was I think one of the. Script and it was one of the better ones that were done this year. Good. I mean, really nice, meaty story and suspenseful.
1: So, so uh, I'm assuming that was with with, every, with all the leads, right? With with Ivan and Larry and, and Kathy. No, ac-
10: no, actually, this was one. I was, I was, I kind of wished it would have been, but I problem is, there's no really lead role. It's a bunch of. That's true. People, you've heard the story, so yeah. um, I guess that wasn't a really good fit for them. Right. Um, so it was the what he calls the Ohio players, which is just all people who auditioned sure. yesterday. Okay. The amateur group. Right. But yeah. Otherwise, that would have been a good one for them if but there's no leading roles.
1: Um, now, did the Chicago radio actor, they did, what? Which one did they do, Montague? Um, so
10: I think Chicago group is a, they did a Gildersleeve Sleeve last night. Okay. If I remember right. Yeah, and the guy who played Gilder Sleeve was really good. I mean, he has a pretty close to the voice. Wow. I and mean, he has the kind of the not the laugh. He doesn't didn't do the laugh, but mm-hmm. he has those other kind of giggles or whatever you would call them, and sure he's really good. And he has all the voice inflection and stuff. It's that was really good.
1: So she so uh. Go. what did they do with John after that uh, suspense with that uh, bunch of the locals that won the Ohio stock company do that, or did uh, did uh, uh, Larry and All Ivan? For,
10: the Allaire Theater Group from from Kentucky did that. Okay. And uh, Mike Wheeler stepped in and directed that one, uh, since kind of at the last minute, since John. I guess he didn't find out till this morning that he wasn't John Alzadek wasn't going to be able to make it. Okay. So he stepped in and directed it. But he's used to doing that because he's, he's he does some of the uh, ART stuff. That,
1: yeah. Yeah. Cause he's the only did the ghostly project, so he, he he probably got a hand, probably got a pretty good hand what he wants to do. Yeah. Um.
10: He was saying that he he uh, he worked for 35 years in the. Television as an engineer, so he got a kind <laughs> of window in onto a lot of uh, some directing and stuff. And sure. Stuff, so, and he,
1: it, yeah. So, what about the fat man script? How did the fat man script turn out?
10: Um, let's see. I think that one was. I think that came after the suspense performance. Right. Maybe it didn't. I don't remember for sure. There, there's ten. Of, there was five rehearsals and five performances. they get so for. Sure if I can get them all in order. Um, that was I don't remember because I there are so many cues yeah well there's a few like every page and a half or two and I don't remember what, what the storyline was it's kind of it I did listen to the show but I don't the storyline didn't seem all that amazing it's kind of typical fat uh-huh. man formula but uh, Larry Albert played the fat man and he got some of the uh, the way that uh, was it Jay Cut- Dave Scott Smart did the, said some words, so he kind of got a little bit of that in there. Okay. Kathy Garber played one of the theme Feltel, house, or one of those. Right. And, uh, and Ivan Curry played, uh, somebody. Okay. I don't remember who. But, that's uh, kind of your typical Fat Man show, I guess. not that great, but it's interesting to hear something that there's no recording for.
1: And the Magnificent Montague with that another stock company performance. So you remember who did that one?
10: Um, let me think. Uh, that was the, I think that was the All Ears Theater Group. Okay. That which is Don Ramlow's group. Right. Kalamazoo.
1: And she? You said a fifth one. What was the fifth show? Remember?
10: Uh, let's see,
1: uh... Let's see, we had two suspense and a fat in man.
10: Evening, in the evening was the new suspense.
1: Right.
10: And then the fat man. And the final one was with, uh, with our Miss Brooks. That's one I couldn't remember last night. Okay. Uh, Kathy Garver as Miss Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry Albert as Mr. Boynton. Okay. That was pretty good. Um... And it's fun to watch Cassie Garver up there on stage because she does the, the whole acting chick as, along with voice. She does gestures and stuff and uh-huh. the looks and stuff. Like a real actor.
0: Sure. Actress.
10: And um, the, oh, Ivan Curry played a great Denton. He <laughs> it wasn't exact, but, I mean, he it was funny, though. I bet.
1: So, besides the five rehearsals and five shows, what stand out? Did you get a chance to say hi to some some people? Or did you uh, get a chance to see any presentation? Or did you, were you basically just getting ready for the next rehearsal? Or what, what was the day like for chat? Well, the, re-
10: the day was uh, four straight rehearsals, two performances, and then a break, and then another rehearsal, and a bigger break, and all the other performances. <laughs> so I missed the Presentations in the morning, which was an interview with Larry Albert. Okay. It would have been nice to hear, but I I will be hearing it about transcribed. Good. And and there was a Martin Graham did Graham's did a presentation on um.
1: Probably truth or consequences. Said that.
10: Consequences, yes. Yeah. They said he showed a couple hundred photos, which unfortunately I won't be able to see, but I can listen to the rest transcribed.
1: Sure.
10: And uh, so. Missed those, but uh, oh well.
1: And what was it? Was it a buffet dinner style? How would how dinner tonight? Would that a? Uh... It's, just,
10: it's just a dinner on your own. You just okay. do a couple-hour block where you can just visit with people, and I did got to do some visiting mostly afterwards. Um, like like at any, any typical convention, you sure. get to visit after everything ends around 9 o'clock, so I got to do that.
1: So, uh, um, you, you recognize anybody from the last, the last couple of years, or was it, uh, any new faces for you besides, uh, Kathy and Larry, or wh- what was, uh, what was the socializing like for you?
10: There are a few new people, um, I, I think I met a few people that I hadn't met before, right. that I did recognize as being here last year, and, um it,
1: Anybody, anybody else pick up your CD today, or was it all, all the sales yesterday? Yeah. Hey. There was two,
10: two yesterday and
1: one today. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, did, in the two days, I guess we didn't talk about it, did you Get a chance to wander through the uh, dealer's room? I know you said it was sort of Diffy Diffy. I think it was old, old-time radio and film. Or, uh. Well,
10: some of them, some people had... One had radio and film. Mm-hmm. Martin Grahams also had radio and film. Uh, another one had radio and some comic books. Right. And one other one had comic books, and I think I might. And then another one had movies and stuff, and something like that. Um, I might be missing one or two. So some of them had a combination.
1: So tomorrow, tomorrow, travel day home, or what did what did, what tomorrow going to be like for you? I
10: uh, just driving all day <laughs> pretty much.
1: <laughs> so what the about the Mike, were announce anything for next year or is everything put on hold or what what do we know at the moment? Anything?
10: Well, he's not going to be doing the convention next year. Not in the form it is. He's thinking about and would like to do like a perhaps something like a radio workshop, maybe a day or, or weekend where like in Louisville you can get together and do some recreations but it won't be on the scale of events, there wouldn't be dealers rooms there wouldn't be presentations so I guess it would be focusing more on
1: the performances I guess
10: performances, I don't know, nuts and bolts something like that, Uh, that's what he's kind of thinking along the lines of something that's not as
1: Demanding. Uh,
10: it's difficult to coordinate. Yeah, not as not as big as this. And Don Ramlo is talking about possibly, if everything works out, uh, doing a convention in Kalamazoo next year, oh. maybe around the same time. Um, and they said he said, over the next couple weeks and months, they'll be having meetings and figuring out if it can be done and. Um, just nuts and bolts of that, what all is involved and stuff like that. So it's kind of up in the air. I mean, it's not nothing's nailed down, but it looks like
1: something will happen.
10: Couple things, couple things planned for next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like he, uh, Mike was saying. It's it's uh, actually you're getting two conventions instead of one next year, so if everything works out, they'll be different. And Don uh, Ramlo it sounds like is wanting to do. Pretty much like the Cincinnati Convention in in uh, Kalamazoo. Kind of the same thing, just in a different location.
1: Would that be a little further away for you? Kalamazoo, Michigan? I guess it would, wouldn't it?
10: Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'd have to... kick the map. Ma- I think it might be a little bit closer.
1: That's why I was wondering. Uh, I don't
10: know for sure. Well, it'd
1: be, close to, it'd be close to Detroit, one of the landmark radio places, I guess. Huh? Now, how about the hotel? Did you like the hotel? It's been pretty nice the last couple of years, right? The the, the
10: uh, yeah, it's been it's been the same place. Um, they have good service, and uh, they have a restaurant for those who want to eat right there in the building, so it's kind of convenient if you'd like to eat there. And um, it it nope, I don't ha- really have any complaints. I mean, it's a nice place.
1: And so, if you wanted to get something to eat, was there something at the hotel, or did you have to go outside to grab a bite? It,
10: it, was, it was like a little dining room in the middle. There's a atrium with a pool, and then there's a dining room on one side, and uh, with uh, trees and plants around. So, and it's uh, like three three-story ceilings, so it's kind of nice and open, and get a lot of sunlight through the windows they have up there. So that's kind of nice and convenient. It's right, actually, right outside the yeah dealer room, recreation room, presentation rooms.
1: And how was the attendance today? Was it a little bigger than yesterday, or what's your feeling on the attendance today?
10: Uh, it's kind of hard to say because I was mostly in rehearsals all the time, but uh, so I didn't really get to go outside so much. But it did seem like at the performances tonight, there was roughly the same as last night, perhaps a couple fewer. I I was, didn't quite get a rough count, but it looked close to last night. Okay. And I know that there were some that who don't go to the re, uh, recreation, so that wasn't wouldn't have been the total number.
1: So what sticks out in your mind about any of the recreation this year for you? Uh, anything particular? Um, any bloopers or, just, or uh, anything stuck stuck out to you this year?
10: Um, Well, I thought the, the suspense is a good a good story, and it, it went pretty smoothly, and uh, everything there. The uh, the old susp- the dead earnest and the dragnet was pretty good. It's nice nice to do a dramatic show with the stars and. Right. I don't, but Larry Albert during rehearsals or before rehearsals was doing different funny voices <laughs> up on stage. And I could hear some of that. That was kind of funny. Um.
1: Did you get a chance to meet, uh, Larry?
10: Uh, yes. Oh, yeah! Speaking of something that sticks out, I should mention this. Yeah. Um, Mike Wheeler came up with the idea of, after everything's done, apparently this was done at a different convention, to have everyone sing, uh, We'll Meet Again. And so he had Larry lead it, and they didn't have the sheet music, uh, so, um, I was a little bit fuzzy on parts of the melody, so Larry sang them to me, and I wrote out, quickly wrote out the lead sheet, and then did the harmony, and we, at the end of the night, after everything, awards was done and everything, uh, we sang We'll Meet Again.
1: Wow. It's a great song. It's a great song. So, uh... It is. And I know he sings pretty well. Yes, he does. You know? Um... And well, you've 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 heard well, over the years do Imagination Theater, so I bet I yeah. bet you were definitely familiar. I got to
10: talk I got to talk to him a little bit about that. and I guess he's pretty much in charge. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Got to got his autograph. Got to shake his hand a couple times. <laughs> so yeah.
1: Did you get a chance to say hi to Ivan? Oh yeah, uh,
10: I'm. Uh, like when, he, when he's passing by at the organ setup up on the way up to stage, he'd say hi. And um, I, this evening, I, just, I went over and uh, they usually gather in the bar at, mm-hmm. at the end of the evening to talk and visit. And of course, the wee hours of the morning, I had to go over there and have him play a few tunes on the harmonica. That's
1: what I was wondering, you have a guy here that see his harmonica work.
10: Yeah, he, he's really good.
1: He really talented, uh, yeah. I
10: wish he I wish he would could do something in a show sometime.
1: Well last a few years ago at Reps we did Duffy Tavern and he played a Larry Adler part and so he played a harmonica for that. So yeah uh, gosh, there's, there's there's probably some more shows that, you know we can probably get you guys together or something. You know. Well, but, I guess that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be bad at all. So, let's see, so how many guys are going to drive back tomorrow? Are you guys going to, it's going to be t- more than two you guys driving back to, uh, it'll,
10: it'll just be the two of us. Um, there were going to be a couple more, but they weren't able to make it this year.
1: Okay. Mm. So, how much preparation was on this year's convention compared to last year? Was it was it more work to get ready for fi- all the shows this weekend compared to last year, or about the same, or... For-
10: you mean for me? Yeah, for you. If I recall right, I think last year there were eight recreations and I played seven of eight. But and this year there were seven recreations and I played six of of seven. Wow. Uh, the it was a little, I kind of a little bit easier because the the new suspense didn't have many cues that I had to write. Right. Like three or four. The Old Suspense had a lot, so that, that took up the most time. The Dragnet has kind of been a medium number. Mm-hmm. They're usually not too terribly long. The Fat Man was, had quite a few cues, but those were something that I could write, which doesn't take as much time. Arthur Brooks only has like six or seven, so that wasn't quite as long. And the Magnificent Montague had like four or five, so that didn't take too terribly long.
1: So with Fat Man, how did you... Because we don't have a recording of it, how did you decide to put that together? Did you took another Fat Man show out, or did you just show sort of create on your own? How did you put that show together? Well, I,
10: I of course used the main theme, and then I just wrote some other things, and a couple things I used the main theme as an idea to write something somewhat similar in their appropriate places, but everything else just what whatever fit the atmosphere of the preceding scene or the scene coming up, sort of. But did come up. With with whatever
1: came to mind. Did they, uh, what about the commercial? Did you play, uh, did they use the uh, Dismal commercial for the Fat Man? Did you play, like, the, uh, little, you know, Violet or whatever, the the heart behind that, or, uh, anything, anything for the commercial? There,
10: there was a commercial, I think, yeah, it was Dismal, but I, I didn't listen to any shows to see what, I, I didn't listen to any shows to see what, uh, any of them had a similar commercial, so I just followed what they said on the script of what kind of musical bridge to play, and I just kind of made something up. So it might not have been I. You just made or recreated the Pepsi
1: What about Armist Book? Did you play Dream Girl or anything like that on the? Uh... No, th- th- this
10: was a later one, and I don't know if it had commercials, but there weren't any commercials in the script. Ah. But um, the the New Suspense, there was a, uh, a scene that ended with the phrase, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> so what I did was, maybe you could guess what I played. Uh, oh,
1: who mistake. And that, did you play Jello?
10: Yes, I did, and <laughs> they got a kick out of that. So. <laughs> Plus, um, there's one, oh. Fat Man, they were going to the movie, so I had I played the intro of the 20th Century
1: Fox. Oh, very good.
10: Or, not the whole thing. I I, I kind of edited it so that it wasn't completely plagiarized.
1: Okay, okay.
10: So I wow. tried to add a couple little <laughs> funny things. Sure. Oh, one of them was, give my regards to Broadway. <laughs> very similar to that and into the scene. <laughs> Just to add little funny stuff. The cad touch. Because I've noticed that in some of those shows, they would do stuff like that. They would take the snippet of a popular song that fit the way the scene had gone or the way the scene had ended. So it's not out of character to do stuff like that. So I felt justified. You,
1: you have a favorite old radio show that you like, the music, you, or how the, the arrangement was done that caught it catch your ear or anything like that?
10: six-shooter. I like the
1: music on a six-shooter. Yeah, that's good, isn't it?
10: And, um, there might be some other ones. Oh, the suspense is pretty neat. And that one, that one was, I got really close to the original with that. I was, I was happy with that.
1: I would have, I would love to find all that bass music of the six-shooter. I I would, it's just, it's, it's, I wish, I wish they would have Bat, Bat or Rathom, Rathom or whatever. Adlam. I uh, would record all that, and that way we could have all those tracks. It's just, it's just wonderful music. Yep, it is really wonderful. So what time are you getting up tomorrow? Are you getting up at three? What time, what time are you gotta get? Um,
10: probably seven. I, <laughs> we'll be seven
1: or so. so you're gonna eat breakfast there in Cincinnati and hit out? Is that, is that the game plan?
10: I'm not sure. Okay. I'll find out.
1: So, where did you guys have? Did you guys eat lunch anywhere when you when you drove from Kansas City to Cincinnati? Or was it pretty much a straight a straight straight drive? Just, just
10: a really quick lunch from okay. a fast food restaurant, and I didn't get a chance to eat lunch today, but I did get some supper, which uh, was sustained me.
1: Hooray! What what did you have for what, what was your dinner? Oh, uh, was
10: uh, like dinner? Yeah, we I what, refer to it as supper. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. How was I had a discussion about that with someone this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just like a chicken salad. Ah, oh. Not too heavy.
1: Just enough to keep just enough to keep the edge off.
10: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, wonderful, Chad. Anything else we should mention before you need to lay down and get a couple hours of sleep?
10: I don't think so.
1: Terrific. Well, congratulations, Chad. You made it through another. Another two days. That, that's, yeah, that's,
10: yeah. That's good. Shall I sign off? I'll, shall I do my famous... You
1: might as well. Go right here, Miss,
10: hey. Mr. Chad. <laughs> this is your roving reporter signing off from the tail end of the third annual Cincinnati Nostalgia Expo, and the third and final Nostalgia Expo. Uh, this is your roving reporter, Chad Blue, signing off. Thanks, Chad. Hey,
1: good night. Good night. All oh, right. Thanks, Chad. Now, here's Chapter 2 of Ray
8: Participating branches, member FDIC. Your conversation station for Southern California, the home of talk radio, AM 790, KABC.
7: We're back again. My guest is Leon Schwab. Of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore. If you'd like to call us, our phone number is 520-TALK in the San Fernando Valley, 990, Orange County, Riverside, 750, in Pasadena, Burbank, Glendale, 244, in the San Gabriel Valley, 448, South Bay is 679, Long Beach, 639, Westside, 301, and TALK, T-A-L-K. Leon... As uh, John Nesbit used to say, uh, you must have seen really the passing parade. I mean, life as as uh, perhaps uh, no other proprietor ever saw life. You saw Hollywood as it as it really was.
9: Oh, that's true. You Warts and all. Here's one here. Edith.
7: Edith yes. worked as a, oh she's coming up here on the screen. Yeah, I see that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get to her in just a second. Put her on quick-like, if you will. Uh, tell me about uh, some of the uh, celebs. Now, you, you have a picture here of uh, Luella Parsons. Uh, and uh, Luella gave you this picture. Uh, this was when she was a star, star. right? Mm-hmm. A star. Ni- when was Luella Parsons a star? 1926. Wow. And uh, it was taken at the Norma Talmadge home, home. May 1926. Number one is Fatty Arbuckle, That's right. May Murray, Ward Crane, Verge Valley, uh, Ronald Coleman, Bessie Love, Jack Pickford, Rudolph Valentino. Okay. That's right. Wow. And among others, uh, there's uh, Louis Parsons. That was before your time. Yes, right? well, it was before <laughs> my time, yes. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Richard Bartholomus. Yes, yes. Uh, Constance Talmadge, uh, uh, Beatrice Lilly. Really,
9: yeah.
7: Uh, Let's see, who else would I know here? Um, Well, there's Howard Hughes. Uh, Howard's in the picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Al Hall, the director's in the picture. Yeah, well, how about that? That's really something. Um, Tell me about Luella Parsons. Uh, Luella would be there all the time?
9: No, she'd come in quite a bit, though. But... uh, she was
7: up above mm. the rest of them. Now, you were telling me that Walter Winchell would come in a lot.
9: Yeah, he'd come in all the time. He would come in, stay 10, 15 minutes, and leave. Now,
7: was there any unique thing that some of these uh, people would say, at Walter Winchell, what would he have?
9: Black coffee and a lot of cigarettes? He would eat everything there. <laughs> but, if you, you know, nobody went near the, the stars. I mean, we didn't allow anybody to go. If they wanted a picture of a certain star, uh-huh, uh-huh. then we'd ask that star whether they wanted to give that picture. But there must have been a, a,
7: a unique food combination somebody along the line would order. Can you remember?
9: I tell you, the chili and beans. Were <laughs> the chili and beans. We're back to chili and beans again. But <laughs> well, we had. Oh, I'll tell you. Okay. On Friday, we had Chinese food. Uh-huh. Now. You have somebody on here now that, she she's a big German girl, and she would never ask them what they wanted to eat. She'd just say, sit down, hand them the Chinese food, and that's what they ate every Friday. Am I right?
7: All right. Do we have the gal that worked for him for 17 years? Uh, we're just trying to find out, uh, who who is that? Is that Gina? No, Edith. Uh, Edith. Where is Edith? She, she's gone. No, oh, she's gone from our screen. Okay, it's line two. Here we go. Uh, Edith. Yep. Good morning. You're on with Leon Schwab. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs>
7: Hi, Leon. How are you? How are you? Fine.
11: Do you know something? What? When I heard it, because I always listen to Ray Bream, I couldn't <laughs> believe it that you are on. Yeah. And I tell you something, mister, this place is and going to be the most significant place that ever has been. When?
1: Schwab's. When? I hope you told me. Oh, I'm flipping the tape over. Okay. Here we go, everybody. No more vaping. Mattress is free.
7: KBC Talk Radio AM 790 KABC Los Angeles It's 2 o'clock.
8: Your conversation station for Southern California, the home of talk radio, AM 790, KABC.
1: All right, we're back again, and in the studio is... Okay, we're going to flip to the last uh, segment of the Ray Breen Show, here on Yesterday USA, then we're going to take it back to the automation system. Um, we're having some issues tonight with the uh, turning on and turning off the station, so I might need Kim Brad to come down and do that for us, but uh, we'll do that in a little bit here on Yesterday USA. And, okay, got it here. Here we go. We'll talk to you soon
8: is unusual. Go in and have it checked. If you're 65 or older, call the Skin Cancer Institute now for your free exam. Call 1-800-445-EXAM. That's 1-800-445-EXAM. HMO members not eligible.
7: In Los Angeles, the phone number is 520-TALK, in the San Fernando Valley, 990-TALK, Orange County, Riverside, 750, Pasadena, Burbank, Glendale, 244, San Gabriel Valley, 448, South Bay, 679, Long Beach, 639, and the West Side, 301, and TALK, T-A-L-K. If you want to talk with Leon Schwab during regular business hours, Rose Hills, a place to remember. That's 1-800-548-3333 looking at the weather it's going to be partly cloudy and cool southwest to west winds 10 to 20 miles an hour during the afternoon and evening mostly clear on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday a little warmer Wednesday a little change in the weather I guess Uh, Leon Schwab is our guest Uh, boy what a rockin' tour you you are you can tell so many stories I haven't even started I know tell me another one
9: (laughs) I was in at the George Sank in Paris. And a girl walks in, and she says to me, I know you. I says, you don't know me, but I know you. <laughs> and she sat there and sat there, and, and finally she came out, Leon Schwab of Hollywood. And I say, yeah, that's right. And it was o- Olivia de Havilland. Yeah, how about that? You know, we're talking about uh, the
7: stars, but did any of the uh, producers, directors come in? Oh how, how about Cecil B. De Mellon, you know? Mervin Leroy, and all these people.
9: Uh, Mervin Did Cecil Leroy, come in? Yeah, but Mervin Leroy, I was always in there. He really? always came in there. Yeah. Really? He was a customer for years and years. And uh, all the ones at MGM, I used to, I I had a deal with MGM Studio that I furnished all the whiskey for the, for the studio. <laughs> you furnished the whiskey? Yeah, and then I, at Christmas time, nine years they allowed me to put a store on the lot with gifts through the month of december (laughs) You see, and i talked to mr mayor and i said i can save you a lot of money if you let me put a store in here people don't have to get off the lot Mm -hmm. and he went for it and he said to me one day he said how would you like to cater the party I said I'll cater the liquor, but I don't want to cater the party. Mm-hmm. Every year they had a party for salesmen throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. The largest bar in the world, five thousand people at the bar. Five thousand people, people at, at the, the bar. At the bar. And the people at the bar would be very unique people too. You know, uh, they built it on stage five. And wow. I'll never forget that it was a. I was in his office and uh, how many people would be bartending. Well, oh, for every 10 people, you'd have to have a bartender. But I'll never forget the black, the, the dancer. Uh, went up Bojangles? To, uh, yeah, Bojangles. So he's sitting there with Mr. Mayor, and I came in. He introduced me, and Mr. Mayor says, I'll see you at the party. He says, no, you won't. i never forget that. And he says, why? He says, you didn't invite my wife. You only invited me, and I don't go any place without my wife. How about that? Mr. Mayor said, if you don't come, I'm going to throw you off the lot because you don't think I gave you the invitation for you. I gave it for your wife, and I don't care if you don't come, but I want your wife there, and he came to the party. How about that? <laughs> yeah, That's the party that, uh, that uh, Judy Garland sang to Clark Gable. You made me love you, but I didn't want to do it?
7: Is that right? She was
9: 11 years old at the time.
7: For heaven's sakes. Let's say hello to Carlos in Los Angeles. Good morning, Carlos. Good morning. I want to thank you,
11: Mr. Uh, Schwab, for having had such a comfortable drugstore.
7: <laughs>
11: <laughs> Absolutely. Boy, I was teaching right around the corner at an astrological <laughs> foundation, uh, Pappy's, uh, Mr. Carol Ryder's place at the time. We used to come in there. Uh, 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 Staff member and I myself pour over charts, books, and coffee. Hey, we discuss discuss the, the greater thoughts of humanity. And boy, nobody ever bothered us. My question is, did you uh, did you know Carol? No, I didn't. You didn't know, Mr. Ryder. No. Uh huh. Do you uh, foresee uh, anything being built there? Perhaps another Schwab.
9: Well, we've been waiting for a long time, but nothing's happened.
11: Uh huh. Well, I'm glad there isn't a a dirty laundry cleaner
9: there. <laughs> There's, but they thought they were going to build, but I don't. I haven't seen anything built. No. And it's been for a long, long time now.
7: All right, Carlos. Thank you. Uh, you you told about uh, uh, Nancy and uh, Ronald Reagan that story with their daughter. Did uh, did Ronald Reagan come in uh, quite a bit uh, oh, yeah. during his early days?
9: Yeah, he, he used to live. Right around the corner from the store at one time. Oh, really? Then he moved out into uh, Brentwood, Mm -hmm. and we had a store in Brentwood. Mm -hmm. And then he was still a customer of ours in Brentwood.
7: Long-time customer. Yeah. How about that?
9: He was a nice man. I liked him.
7: Well, you know, I don't think anybody uh, can say a bad word about Ronald Reagan as far as the person. A lot of people didn't like his politics, as as we know. But I'll tell you. Everybody, he was char- he charmed all of Washington. That's right. Even even his adversaries, Tip
9: O'Neill and these people, yeah. they loved Ronald but, Reagan. Well, you never heard a bad word about oh, him. That's right. Uh, you're you're right. Maybe his policies weren't what everybody. Maybe he wasn't smart enough for that.
7: I don't know. Uh, only history is going to tell that's that. Right. But uh, I was back at the White House uh, for a press conference when he just came back from from Moscow, and now look what's happening. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he did something. Yes, he did. I liked him. Yeah, well, I do, too. Let's say hello to Johnny in Hollywood. Johnny, good morning.
12: Oh, good morning. Good morning to you, Leon uh you mentioned uh oh hey i'll second that motion on that star i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> i believe you really need you really should have one eleon
0: yeah.
12: uh, well i agree you know you um uh, you mentioned all those names that you that were dropped here a while ago i worked with every one of them frankly oh, did you yeah at, at one point in time uh i think it was nineteen forty five. Remember uh, uh, Walter
9: uh, Oh sure.
12: Okay, he lived down the, down the, down mm. side that Chateau Marmont. Oh yes. Uh-huh. Well, he cast me in one of his little pictures. Well, I think it was the first, and the only movie that he ever made. Uh, he, uh, we used to meet there and have breakfast a lot right on location. And, uh, and well, I remember one time we snuck into the racetrack and he had the camera under his coat. We got some shots until they caught us and they took <laughs> the <through us on.
0: laughs>
12: Well, anyway, then we would come back the, and uh, wind up there in the evening, and um, go over our lines for the next day, and then meet again the next morning and go out on location again. Do you remember that incident? No, I you don't. don't remember that. <clears throat> well, anyway, it was uh, it was uh, it was an experience. I just thought perhaps maybe you would remember that one. But I do uh, appreciate your all. Oh, you know something that that uh, where the building was where you locate where. Where your store was located, yeah. there there is some construction going on there. Nothing. Is that, well, there's a fence around.
9: I know a fence around yeah. for the last four or five months, but they haven't put a a oh. spade into the ground.
7: Well, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, anyway. So so he's, uh, he's a he's uh, a drugstore in waiting. Oh, drugstore in waiting. <laughs> uh,
12: you still have your store down uh, west on Sunset, Father? No, none of them. None of them. No. Neither in Brentwood. No. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Well, anyway, I do appreciate your bringing back all those memories, and I appreciate that very much. And thank you, Ray, for
7: talking to me. Right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, the uh, the Ann Miller story. Tell me about Ann Miller. She used to come in all the time, right?
9: Yeah. And, and you, you I, worked with her overseas. I, I, no, not overseas. I took her to all the Army camps. Oh. Oh. Well, tell me about that. Well, Lou Astro was the producer of all the Mickey Rooney pictures. And he said to me one day, he said, you want to take me out to the Fort McArthur? We're going to do a show out there. And I said, sure. And see, I was getting gas because of the drugstore. So I took him out. And he had Jack Benny on the show and he had a bunch of other people. And he said, how did you like the show? I said, that's the worst show I've ever seen. So he said, why don't you do one? And I said, I will. And I did. And we kept that up for 55 shows. We didn't care whether there was three people or 100 people. We gave the show. And it went on for, oh, three years.
7: And Miller was something.
9: Oh, she was great. And she's still a great guy.
7: Yes. She you know this how old she is? Now, how old is she?
9: Over 60 didn't she just
7: do this revival back in on Broadway? Sugar Babies. Yeah, 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 fantastic. All right, uh, we'll be Don't right back. Don't you think she is? We'll be, we'll be right back with Leon Schwab of the legendary Schwab's Drugstore. This is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790, and I'm Ray. B- I cut myself off again there, wrong switch, and I got a couple of new switches here, and I'm Ray Bream. He's opinionated. He's Controversial. He's Ira Fastell. Tonight at 8. Solanthus may not be a familiar name to you now, but once you use Solanthus, it will be a name you'll never forget. Solanthus, the medically proven pain reliever for those who no longer want to tolerate the annoyance of minor aches and pain. Solampus gives fast relief without side effects to those who suffer back or muscle pains, arthritis, sprains, joint, neck, or shoulder pains. Solampus is the effective, simple way to make life happier for you and your loved ones. Solampus is easy to use, too, and it doesn't stain. It's the convenient, effective, specialty-medicated adhesive patch. Just apply Solampus to the pain area for fast relief that lasts up to 12 hours. Salonpus comes in 20 to 40-sheet box containers, small or large size, also available. Solampus Elastic Patch for joints, Air Salonpus Spray, and Solampus Gel for effective pain relief in all areas, including sports-related injuries. Yes, say goodbye to pain. Get Solampus today. Salonpus is available at Lucky Pharmacy, Newberry, TG&Y, Drug Emporium, and Clark Drugs. Money problems can really make your life miserable. They can cause you to fight with your spouse, to snap at your kids and to toss and turn all night worrying about what you're going to do. But there is help. If you're a homeowner, All State Home Loans Incorporated may be able to arrange for the money you need from $5,000 to $250,000 quickly and confidentially. In most cases, you'll have a tentative answer within 48 hours, subject primarily to equity verification. And because your loan is based primarily on the equity in your home, you don't have to be currently working or have good credit to qualify. So if money problems are keeping you up at night, you owe it to yourself to find out more about Allstate Home Loans at 1-800-345-7900. Let Allstate help you get the money you need to use in any way you want. Now, don't spend another sleepless night worrying about problems. Call Allstate Home Loans. Broker, 1-800-345-7900. That's 1-800-345-7900. Call now. You tell them Ray Bream asks you to call.
9: Hey, Will, that's a fine bike. Before you lay it down, pick up on this. See, see, right. Call the Tokyo line. 800 cc rider won't cost you a dime you'll need some expert riders take a course that will blow your mind This is Brownie McGee for the CHP, singing the blues to bring you the news. They've got two great courses to let your young riders tame your iron horses. Just call 800-CC-RIDER. Call that toll-free line. You'll meet some expert riders with a course that will blow your mind. Get
7: out of here. See you later. At 5.05 this morning on KABC, following the ABC Network News, it's four hours of fun news and things you can use with the Ken and Bob Company. 16 now before 3 o'clock, my guest is the great Leon Schwab of the fabled Schwab's Drugstore. Uh, You were saying that Alan Ladd used to... uh, to be there.
9: Yeah, he lived right at the Ronda Apartments. It really? was right around the corner from the mm-hmm. drugstore. Mm-hmm.
7: You would to tell me something else, too?
9: I invented the roll-on mascara.
7: The roll-on mascara? The type used by
9: you-know-who? Tammy? All of them. <laughs> That's right. It was something different. You know, do you know uh, uh, Gordon Bow? It, it he was makeup man at Warner Brothers. No. So he was a good friend of mine. And I went out there and I told him, I got an idea. Let's see if we can do it. You, you've you seen a woman, she takes a mascara like that, yeah. and she spits on it, and then uses mm-hmm. the little brush. Mm-hmm. Well, I came up with an idea to take like a pen in your pocket, mm-hmm. pull it apart, use it to brush everything's in it, mm. put it back together. So... Charles Revson was a very, very close friend of mine, and he owned Revlon. Mm-hmm. So I called him on the phone, I said, would you like to see something? He says, yes, don't show it to anybody else. I want you to show it to me. So I flew back to New York, showed it to him, and he stole it from me. Oh, boy. My friend. <laughs> your friend. <laughs> so uh, he, what did a, I get? Be a, gotta be a moral so to that story. I took him to federal court. And I said, he's trying to steal it from me. I'm going to sue him. And I sued him, and I got a quarter of a million dollars. Really? But it, I didn't get the money. He, he went to the attorney, got $100,000. Oh, yeah. Gordon Bauer at Warner Brothers got 125000 I got 25000 and oh. had to pay all the bills. Oh, oh that's terrible. <laughs> you know how much they're doing today with that? No. $50 million a year.
7: Really? You should have uh, not uh, <laughs> told anyone and done it yourself. You you learn by doing. Yeah, that's right?
9: Right. Oh, well, I I uh, went into the Beverly Hills.